I figured it out. They say when I sing, I'm the voice of the South. Get thanks to the Lord, cause I'm making it out. I can't believe I'm living my dream. Early morning flights, the skies are filled up with these whistling wings. Sights that dreams are made of. Look at God's creation. Those coming in as we struggle to load. Kid number two is a hell of a load. Shots going off as they dropping off. It's so cold and my car keeps sticking. I'm being precise with the notes I'm picking. My lead is true, so no duck I'm missing. Full choke, so I'm good at a distance. I should have 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 Listen, you know, one thing we can all agree on is we all like to consume music. And in order to do that, you have to have a speaker. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably an outdoorsman or trying to get into it. Turtle Box Audio is the speaker for the outdoorsman. One, they're loud, they're waterproof, and extremely durable. And when I say loud, I, it, it's they're loud. Don't hey, they're loud. And not only that, guess what? You're having a party. Your buddy comes and brings his two. Pair them together, even louder. You can jam your favorite songs. Whether you're on the boat. By the fire, grilling out, you name it, they've got the speaker for you. Go check out Turtle Box Audio on Instagram or turtleboxaudio.com. Use code QUACKSHACK at checkout to save you some money. These things are loud, they're durable, they're waterproof. Go get you one. QUACKSHACK pod, excuse me, QUACKSHACK. Use code QUACKSHACK at checkout. Hey, I know there's a lot of public land hunters on this podcast, and maybe you just have access to a lot of land with a big lake. To access that water, you need a boat. And when it comes to boats, you want something that's built by a craftsman. Something mass-produced, you know, sometimes they miss they miss things. We have... A, a new sponsor, Hybrid Boat Co., out of Louisiana, that is a boat-building sucker. Our boy Luke over there has some of the nicest-looking boats. The uh, It's crazy the, uh, the concepts he comes up with for these boats. They look good. They're durable. They perform well. You name it, they've got it over there. Go check out Hybrid Boat Co. on Instagram or hybridboatco.com. Check out some of the options he has. Maybe shoot him an email. Tell him some options you want added to your boat. They've got it over there. American made here in Louisiana by a true craftsman, hybridboatco.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Quack Shack Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening, liking, sharing all of our stuff on social media. We really, really appreciate that. Hope you all are enjoying uh, enjoying this podcast so far on season four. It's been pretty good. Uh, I've had some really good guests, some interesting guests from, uh, you know, 
obviously the Gator Waiter um, podcast. Always, y'all always like that one. Um, we had Ryan Bassam on there. Um, we had Kyle from Apex on there. That was a cool one to uh, talk about uh, his past and stuff like that. Uh, we had Sean Stimley on there. Um, yeah, it's been a good one so far. Uh, and we're going to continue to to bring y'all some high-quality podcast um, and some knowledge, as much knowledge as we can bring y'all on this podcast and all, also a good time. Um, but, yeah. Oh, man, oh, man. It is absolutely cold here in Texas, like 30 degrees here today. Um, season's over, though, so, you know. Birds are still here, but can't do nothing about that. Man, oh man. I hope everybody's having a uh having a great week, having a uh great, great day, whatever day it is you're listening to this podcast. It's been a good one. For um for those of y'all that haven't uh heard about the giveaway, maybe you have, I'm gonna get it back on your mind, refresh it a little bit. We're doing a we're doing a giveaway where we're buying two different people their hunting license, uh, their waterfowl stamp for um, the 2023-24 season. Um, all you have to do to get entered is go to takeemfowl.com, T-A-K-E-E-M-F-O-W-L.com, and just buy something. Every, every order is being submitted into our drawing for our giveaway to, to purchase your license and your waterfowl stamp. So go do that. Let us buy your season or let us buy your, uh, your waterfowl license and your, uh, duck stamp for the 23, 24 season. Take We appreciate y'all listening to another episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to, the episodes we've already have on season four, definitely go do that. And if you have, uh, maybe you started on season four, we got season three, two, and one. So there's a bunch of good ones. Go check those out. Go check us out on Instagram at the Quack Shack Podcast. We appreciate y'all following us over there. There's a bunch of y'all that listen to this podcast that have still yet to go follow us. All right. Today's guest, we've got... Uh, We've got a man that's he's been doing it for a long time. He's very well known and he you know, pretty much he doesn't need an introduction. We uh we've got Tony Vandemore on today's podcast. What's going on, brother? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on and, and spreading some of your wisdom and stories with us. All the wisdom in the world. <laughs> I don't know about that. Made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> oh, that hey, that's how you gain that wisdom sometimes. It is. I guarantee you. The only way you can do it is through trial and error. That's it. And that's a lot. There's a lot of that in the in hunting, the hunting industry in general. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, hunting, you know, more so than a lot of things has such a steep learning curve. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we uh we've got a pretty big listening base here but for those of you know there's there's a lot of new people that are trying to get into the waterfowl industry or uh, maybe just got in it you know a year or so ago uh but for those of uh, for those that don't know who you are uh give a little background on yourself 
excuse me. Well, my name's Tony Vandemore. I live here in Missouri now. Uh, I grew up in, in Illinois, uh, duck and goose hunting with my dad and uncles and grandfather. Um, had really good goose hunting when I was a kid. Um, my grandfather had a couple clubs on the Illinois River, and uh, they were really good. Uh, the older I got, it kind of seemed like the flyway was shifting west a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I went to school in Missouri and um, found a lot of birds down here and never left. And now, uh, <laughs> co- yeah, co-owner of Habitat Flats. We've got two lodges here in Missouri and one lodge in Saskatchewan, Canada. That's amazing. So for those of y'all that don't know anything about Habitat Flats, it is um, – and if you, if you don't know, you definitely need to go online and check it out because it is – it is absolutely insane, and um, I'm gonna let you let you dive into more about about the background of that. But for you know, I've been I've been duck hunting. This year marks 12 years. I didn't grow up duck hunting in a in a duck hunting family. I kind of got brought into it uh, in high school by some buddies. But early early on, I found out about Habitat Flats and all the things that y'all kind of had going on, and um, you you just hear about it all the time. Um, it's, I know, and it's like the, the number one waterfowl place, you know, a lot of people go, a lot of people from all over the world, I assume, I know all over North America go there and y'all have done just based off of my knowledge, y'all have done some incredible things for, for waterfowl in general. Um, and it, it's it's crazy how how much how big it's gotten over the years. But I'll let you dive in a little bit more on that. On you know maybe how how y'all got got the whole thing started, and uh, to you know where it is now. Yeah, I mean it was uh, <clears throat> myself and Aaron McCauley and Ira McCauley and Dan Doherty. Um, we're all good friends. I mean, you know, here once I came to Missouri, we cut our teeth hunting public ground here. Yeah, um, yeah. stayed in Missouri. State of Missouri has very good, very good public hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the late seventies, there's a an eighth of a cent sales tax put in place on everything in the state goes to the Department of Conservation. Um, so right here, where where our home lodge is, it used to be, you know, one of the one of the many self proclaimed goose capitals of the world. Yeah, in the 60s. yeah. You hear that everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we. Uh, 60s and 70s, it, it wintered 95% of the eastern prairie population of Canada geese. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so it was it was pretty stellar. I wasn't around here then, uh, yeah. but a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends were. Um, but you know, things change. Um, they they claim that they claim that uh, the refuge change practices and yeah uh, management practices and this that and the other thing. But I mean, to me, you know, you didn't have all the water up and down the flyway like you do now. Uh-huh. Yeah, you don't, you don't have the cooling lakes um, up north of us. You know, the power plant lakes, fountains in the city, and all that. Yeah. The biggest thing is you just don't have winters anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not not to speak of, but anyway, so in the set, late 70s, they put an eighth of a cent sales tax on everything in the state to the Department of Conservation, and that that made them very well funded, and they were able to create excellent duck habitat and manage, manage phenomenal habitat. So the, the public duck hunting was very, very good, uh-huh. and that's that's all we did. I mean, we, we, we cut our teeth hunting public ground here in Missouri and did for years and years and had a blast doing it, but... You know, it's a morning draw 
Uh, at least back then, it was like two hours before shooting time every day. And when I was in college, we we would leave where I went to college like one thirty every morning and head down to <laughs> head down to go to the draw. Heck yeah! And uh, so yeah. did it for many years. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, y'all were one of the first. I would say I would say you in particular in Habitat Flats is probably the first people I saw on social media. As far as people, as more so being conservation first instead of hunting first. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was that was always our primary focus. So, you know, we we all hunt public land, and then we kind of Aaron and Ira had a farm, and I had a farm with another friend, Rich, and Dan had a few farms, and um, we got to hunting. And uh, you know, management it can be pretty expensive. Um, yeah. It can be it can be fairly cheap depending on how you want to do it. But when you got three or four guys hunting together and you've got, you know, three or four different places to go, we just found ourselves putting time and, and resources into some places that we weren't really even getting to hunt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we kind of started Habitat Flats just as a, a way to recoup some of those costs. I mean, when yeah. we when we drew it off, we drew it all up. It, we certainly didn't expect to grow that fast. Absolutely. Uh, we yeah. figured it was figured it'd do fairly well but but it kind of took us all by surprise i mean it's yeah. great up, and what year what, from the couch what year did y'all start habitat flats oh, man i think it was 2007 yeah and uh and we you know we scraped up pennies from the couch to get a down payment to, to build <laughs> our first lodge yeah i imagine <laughs> it was uh definitely a big risk yeah. for sure especially at that time of the year or at that time, you know, two thousand seven, eight, there when yeah. when we were in a pretty big recession, it wasn't a good time to try it. But yeah. you know, sink or swim. So uh, you know what? That I'm glad you said the big risk thing. Uh, you know, with with risk comes re- reward, um, and obviously it's grown to be something that you probably never thought it would be which is absolutely what everybody wants. You know, I, I you like hearing those stories where, man, I didn't think it was going to turn into this, and it's been great. Uh, what, what, what do you think separates you? Because, I mean, it's a fact, you know, Habitat Flats is one, if not the most known place to go duck hunting. What, what do you think separates you apart from, from the others? I think it's probably – I don't know. It's, it's, it's obviously a great area. I mean, it's a yeah. phenomenal area. Um, but it's our, our management practices. Um, yeah. You know, we put so much into making our farms as, as good as they can possibly be. Um, you know, you got to, it's a lot of sweat equity. I mean, you, you, there's oh, so yeah. much work to put into it through the years, and there still is. I mean, um, and yeah, it's it's just that you know you got to have to be able to to hold ducks for sixty days. You got to have a lot of different varieties of habitat, and honestly, you got to have a lot of different different places because absolutely, I mean, we don't have we don't have anywhere that's good sixty straight days, yeah. and there's not very many places in the country, if any, that you're going to go every sixty days and kill them. Yeah, and it just doesn't work like that. But for us, I think the big thing was we never wanted to sacrifice quality um, just to make a dollar. So, exactly. you know, we like hunting too much. I don't want to 
want to get up and, and go somewhere where I know I don't have a great chance of having a very good hunt yeah. just to just to make a dollar. It's not that's not why I do it. Mm-hmm. When we built the first lodge, actually, we uh, we slept twenty four. I had a little snow goose business of my own prior to have tap flats, so we built the lodge to sleep twenty four uh, so that we could run four groups of six snow goose hunters, and we only took like eight duck hunters when we first started. Yeah, and then. You know, as we buy a buy a farm, then we'd add a couple more spots. Then we we're hunting twelve, and then pretty soon we we're hunting fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty-four, and then we built the the next building next to lodge to sleep another eight. We just we never want to sacrifice quality. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that that kind of sets us apart. Absolutely, for sure. And now I y'all built another lodge. What uh, three? Yeah, it was in uh, in 2019. Yeah, and it's beautiful, man. That thing is absolutely crazy. If you haven't seen that, y'all definitely go check out uh, Habitat Flats Instagram. The the lodge, you know, I uh, when I first got into into waterfowl hunting, obviously we went on public land here in East Texas where we're from, and back then, you know, it wasn't it wasn't nothing to go out there and get a four five man limit, right? And uh, you know, I started getting my feet wet, buying some stuff here and there, and then a buddy of mine and uh, his dad, along with his dad's friends, would go down south uh, and <clears throat> on a guided hunt, and he, I was invited down there, and we went down there, and um, the, the place didn't have a lodge, but it's a pretty well-known um, uh, guide service down here, you know, especially in s- southeast Texas. And, uh, we did great and everything. And, uh, one thing that, you know, I've picked up over the years, I guess, just from paying attention, I don't do a whole lot of many guided hunts, really. Um, we do a lot of public land hunting, but one thing I've, I've noticed is the, you know, some of these places that absolutely do phenomenal job at, uh, putting clients on birds and stuff, they have some nice lodging. And I feel like that is that's part of the, you know, that's just part of it. They want to go somewhere. Obviously the the objective is to kill birds and have successful time or have a successful hunt and a great time. On top of that, you get to go home or go back to a lodge that is something nice. And, you know, and that kind of is like the, I guess you could say the cherry on top. And, and it would be for me. I don't know most, you know, other hunters, but man, uh, the lodge y'all have now is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean it. It just uh, it adds a whole other whole other aspect to the hunt. Like, I mean, when I was doing doing little snow goose hunts on my own before Habitat Flats, I mean, my guys stayed in hotels, and yeah. you know that's that's all right. But you get done hunting, and I mean, the restaurants, what couple there are around our area, they're closed. They're eating a yeah. piece of gas station pizza or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's fun to go out and, and hunt, and then you know, we'll have people in from all over the country at the same time. And then they come back and there's, you know, they got a different college football game on each TV and yeah. hooting and hollering and telling stories. And uh, it just brings a, a lot more camaraderie to it than, than just going back to the hotel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, man, it, it adds a whole nother, it adds a whole nother element to, to your hunt and to everything. And then, you know, if you're hunting separate groups, everybody gets to come back and hang out and 
talk about each and every, each and every hunt. And uh, that's what I have some friends that have been running guide services, and I'm like, dude, y'all gotta y'all gotta build a lodge that can sleep a bunch of people, just because the the conversations that are had, you know, the night before the hunt or that before the second hunt, or some conversations, you know, you'll never forget, and you might meet your best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely. But from a guide standpoint, I mean, you know, you get to spend you get to spend more more quality time with with yep. your guests. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to hey, you know, we shot it up at uh, nine o'clock in the morning. I'll see the see tomorrow morning at five a.m. Yeah, well, you get to go, you get to go back to lodge and hang out. And what's really cool for us is that you know a lot of a lot of our guys we have have a pretty high repeat business. Yeah, and uh, you know now it's like hunting with friends. I mean, they, some of these guys have been hunting with us eight, ten years, and That's you incredible. know they're texting me all summer long, like how's the crops look? You know, just catch that rain. Um, what new blinds are you building? Any new farms? <laughs> you just become become great friends, and, and it yeah. makes it so much more fun. Yeah, no doubt. Well, here after a while, if you keep taking them, they might start offering to come help you build blinds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Y'all want to come brush blinds before season starts? Uh, yeah, that, that just adds, like, you know, obviously you go out there and hunt and have a great hunt. Uh, and that's an experience in itself. And then like Jackson said, you get back and you, you have a good time and there's, you hear stories all the time of people sitting around a campfire or whatever after a hunt. Uh, and that's a whole nother experience in itself. And that's stuff that obviously you're going to talk about the ducks, but you're going to talk about the experience you had at the lodge with, with people that you've never met in your life. And you, you might exchange numbers and talk and hunt with each other somewhere else or plan your trips to come back at the same time or uh it's definitely something yep. cool and those are all you know those are all really positive things i mean yeah. from a guide standpoint the other benefit is the negative i mean because there'll there'll be negative i mean you're, you're oh, learning yeah. every day so you, you're spending more time with people you get you get closer to them and they feel more comfortable saying hey uh, uh you know that spot we're in this morning i think we should have moved over somewhere else or whatever i mean you, you get yeah. an opportunity to to talk through your uh, you know your decisions i mean you're gonna make right you're gonna make a lot of right decisions and make a lot of wrong decisions absolutely but more than anything you know in your waterfowl hunt you're hunting you're hunting you know wild birds i mean these these aren't birds you let out of the cage yeah um so you're gonna have days where I mean, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to be the most incredible thing you've ever seen. And then you're going to have a few days, no matter what, you're out of 60 day season where it's dead calm, foggy or yeah. raining, you know, bright moon, they're nocturnal where they're just not moving that good. Yeah. So <clears throat> what's nice is even in those situations, you can still cook a hell of a meal and oh, yeah. tell a bunch of stories, have a great time at the lodge, even if the hurt was good. Yeah. That's got to be, uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest downsides, uh, at being a guide is when, you know, at the end of the day, you're hunting birds and you can't control the birds. Uh, and the downside to that being, you know, some of the clients, you know, whether this is their first hunt or they're just one of them clients where you, they don't understand the concept like, Hey, you know, they're, it's an animal. You can't, you can't just say, Hey, this is where you're going to land. And, Y'all better have your finger ready. You know what I mean? That's got to be one yep. of the hardest parts of being a guy. It is. And, you know, that's, that's I think, what 
what makes us so fortunate is that guys come back when Huntley was so long. Um, they know, yeah, they know that they're not just showing up and and yeah, oh yeah, this is this half that fight. We're gonna run out and shoot our six ducks and call it good. They they know <laughs> the work that goes into it to it all year, you know. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we always say we always say you can you can only control you know what you can control. No so doubt. the things that you can control, they need to be top shelf. Yeah, well, I can tell you, y'all do a dang good job of controlling your food because y'all y'all cook yeah. some amazing food. Every time I see it on your story or your post, I'm like, golly, that <laughs> looks delicious. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, the girls, the ladies in the lodge, they're the MVPs for sure. No oh, doubt. yeah, I'm sure. Dude, after a long hunt, come back and get you a steak, man. Can't beat that. No, you can't. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the things you can control need to be awesome. I mean, even your I mean, your properties, your decoys, all that. I mean, you can you can make it. You can make it pretty, but you can't make them fly. I mean, that, that yeah. part's up to Mother Nature. Yeah, for exactly. sure. For sure. So, I, uh, I, I guess I – go ahead, Austin. No, you got it, Bubba. No, I was just saying. So, I guess one question I've, I've had for you as somebody that, that is uh, – this will be my first year trying to actually manage, you know, a property to, you know, try to get it to hold ducks a lot longer. What is something that you would recommend to um, to people that are just starting into getting into managing their properties? I think, you know, I think you hear – Habitat management and it's and it's pretty overwhelming. A lot of people get intimidated. Like, oh man, uh, that's just that's stuff that that you know big clubs do and, and people with money and all that. And that that's yeah. not even close to the case. I mean, like <laughs> some of the biggest mistakes I made starting out is I wanted to work every piece of ground there was mm-hmm. and plant it, whether that was with corn or beans or the moist soil foods. I wanted to plant jap millet. I wanted to plant buckwheat, smartweed. I wanted to make sure whatever was growing was something that I planted. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, hey, this is this is what you got to do. But the fact of the matter is, like, especially, I mean, most areas of the country, but, but our area, our, our natural seabed is so dynamic that if you just take the water off at the right time of the year, you're going to have beautiful natural food, natural yeah. smart weed, natural millet. And this is, uh, you know, this stuff has been genetically altered, you know, survival of fittest for mm-hmm. thousands and thousands yeah. of years. Yeah. So you, you take like, you take a place that already has good natural food and you're like, eh, I'm going to make it better. You kill it, disc it up, plant a bunch of jack millet out there in July and you catch a, late summer flood that covers it up and you're left with basically a moonscape. I mean, it's just yeah. going to be a mudflat. Yeah. Whereas that natural stuff, I mean, most of the time water gets off it, you know, relatively timely fashion, it's going to survive. Yeah. I and mean, that's what it's done for a thousand years. I mean, ducks have lived off that stuff, you know, ever since we've been ducks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big thing for me is was, was figuring that out. Like, Hey, I don't need to overthink this. Just take the water off at the right time of the year, and I'm going to have great natural food. Yeah. And uh, at least in my management, something that I really, really key in on and, and think about is is what my farm looks like from the air. Yeah. Meaning, you know, when I was a kid, you saw the Grand Passage, you know, big migration during uh-huh. the day, just bees of ducks and geese going south. And anymore, you we very rarely see them during daylight most of the big migrations occur at night yep yeah so 
you can have all the food in the world, but when those ducks are migrating at night, if they can't see that water reflecting down there, there's no reason for them to stop. Yeah. So with the federal baiting regulations, if you plant something, so you plant a big field of jack millet, you can't touch it. Yeah. So if it grows up, chokes everything out, and those ducks can't see the water, then you're kind of, you know, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. But the natural stuff you can manipulate. So what's good about that is, like when I'm looking at a farm late summer, right before we start putting water on for teal season, I'm going to start brush hogging it. And uh, I'll brush hog, you know, anything less than, say, six inches of water. So what that's going to do is it's going to show that water at night. You know, that stuff's really going to reflect, and all the ducks are going to stop, and then they're going to find all that food, and they won't go anywhere. But also, Mm -hmm. you know, it adds to your diversity in food sources because your, your bugs and invertebrates do much better in horizontal cover which is, you know, like something you brush hog than they do in, in vertical cover, which is, you know, stuff that's less standard natural. Yeah. And, man, we cut a lot of ducks, ducks open early in the season that are just jammed full of bugs and invertebrates. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the, the birds migrating at night. Let's talk about let's talk about the migration a little bit more. Um, what, you know, you were talking about, uh, uh, earlier about how the the you know the flies way flyways have been shifting and and it's from what I've noticed I could tell a difference five six years ago that it was starting to be noticeably different even probably even seven years ago at least down here that uh, it it has definitely shifted west even this far south what what do you think initially started the migration shift man it probably had something to do with with food i think more than anything it has to do with uh with weather um you know you've had big floods in throughout history that have have changed things you've got droughts um and you get a get a few years up on the prairies you know where there's where there's droughts in areas and birds get used to nesting somewhere else well they're they're apt to take a different path south yeah i mean the biggest thing i've seen in the overall migration is just the 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 lack of weather i mean when i grew up growing up as a kid i mean you then basically first of december we're pretty much froze out you basically snowmobiled nice fish until march yeah and anymore I mean, you go through town and you can't find a snowmobile, and we're hunting open water till the last yeah. day of the season naturally. Mm. So what? You don't have all those. You don't have all those heated ponds. Everybody, everybody accuses you of having, Tony. <laughs> I mean, sure, you're gonna. That's isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> that's kind of man? funny. That's ridiculous. You got those heated corn ponds, Tony. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of funny. Actually, it's Tiverton forums, man. You'll see. You'll see. You brought oh. up about. Every every fifteen messages is, oh, it's because Tony Benmore's got all those heated corn ponds in Missouri, so we don't get ducks in Louisiana anymore. Yeah, that's well, absolutely nuts. I mean, if you keep a well going, I mean, you're, you're going to hold a few ducks behind. You keep a you keep an ice hole, you know, yeah. biggest biggest zero, and you got a well going. You got a fifty yard circle of water around the the discharge, yeah. or you got an ice heater running, and got a. 20, 30 yard circle of water. Sure, you're going to have 500,000 <laughs> ducks in there, a couple thousand maybe. Yeah. But it's not like you're stopping 
the migration. Yeah. No, it's 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 just it's one of those ridiculous things that people that people talk about in these forums. are like, yeah, so and so's got all these heated corn ponds. I'm like, man, no, they don't. They can't. You can't heat a pond. So, so you're yeah, telling I mean, me, so you're telling me we're not gonna go out January and see Tony Vandemore sitting in a pond in his in his underwear, you know, enjoying a yeah, hot yeah. tub. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely nuts, man. But, you know, with with Habitat Flats being, uh, you know, as big as it is and, and anything in life, um, with with success comes reward, obviously, but also comes people that um, and this is even back before social media, uh, I, I would I would think and you would probably know a lot more about that, but would come. You know, hey, nobody, people, there's a lot of people in this world that don't want you to succeed. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's, you know, it's an easy thing to do to point a finger. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of whatever. I don't pay any attention to most of it. But it is a a downfall of, of any time there's perceived yeah. competition, whether, you know, you're scouting and you're scouting against other people. I mean, you're finding a public field, you're, you're finding a public spot. It's perceived competition, but the bad thing is most people don't realize that, I mean, we're all cut from the same cloth. I mean, we're all hunters, and there are a hell of a lot more people out there that want to shut hunting down and oh, yeah. see, us, see us divided. We don't need to be dividing ourselves. That's no, for sure. No, no doubt. No doubt. That there's a lot of you know, it, it starts. It starts with the internet itself, and then trickles down, man. Like, and that's one thing we've started. You know, the past, I guess, two seasons, we've talked a lot about is is the hate in in the waterfowl industry or in the hunting industry in general. You know, there, it's the as men and you know women, as a human being in general, you're going to be competitive, and some people are a little bit more competitive, and they. They use the internet and all these other things, you know, to to put hate, you know, and it's it, it's coming from hunters. There's you know, we don't need to hate on each other. You know, we're all doing the same same thing that we all love, and we're gonna have plenty of hate outside of the hunting community. That is, uh, that you know, it, it's there's plenty of it. So we, you know, we kind of you you would think most people would try to join together, and you know. And which kind of brings me back to you to do uh if you know anything about habitat and conservation, uh based on, you know, just you and habitat flats in general, y'all are doing way more good than you are anything else because you're creating habitat for these ducks to to eat and, you know, water for them and all this other things that y'all have got going on. It's really doing way more good than people realize that, and most of the people that are even saying anything negative don't know anything about habitat and conservation anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hunters, hunters overall. I mean, hunters are the best conservationists. I mean, you don't see, you don't see PETA, the PETA people out there managing more soil marshes when it's 100 no. degrees out in the summer. No, um, they're you know, sitting in the AC. You know probably making a post on facebook talking trash about somebody else <laughs> yeah that's right absolutely the yeah. hunters are definitely the best conservation absolutely man and, you and know, there's a lot of birds out there i mean it's, yeah yeah that, there's a ton ton of birds out there i mean 
Yeah. You got to wish, wish everybody has success. I mean, you know, I hear this stuff. Oh, you know, you got to post the pile pictures all the time, and that's terrible and all that. And, I mean, I've posted my fair share of them yeah, no throughout doubt. the years, and I don't, I don't put very many up personally anymore. But I love to see them. I don't have any problem with it. No. I mean, if you, you you have a you have a hunt that, that you had a blast on, and, and it made you smile, and you put a picture up there with you and your buddies holding up your dust. I think it's, yeah. I think it's freaking great. Yeah, it doesn't bother me one bit. But yeah. it goes down to the people like, like you said, it's easier to. It's easier to be negative than it is to be positive. That's oh man, the bottom line. man! I uh, I started a business a few years ago, and not that I had any. We didn't, to my knowledge, do anything to you know rub anybody the wrong way. But uh, a customer of mine that had been in business for many many years told me, and I guess I never really thought about it. You know, bad news spreads way faster than good news. If you if you go to a restaurant and eat a bad steak, you're probably going to tell your buddy about it. But if you go there, uh, well, I wouldn't in general, but and you probably wouldn't either. But if you go somewhere and have a bad experience or a great experience, you're, you're you're more likely to talk about the bad than you are the good, and that's yeah. that's kind of you know just a a trait humans have in general. But there's people out there that you know if I go somewhere and I have a good steak, I'm gonna tell people about it, and I'm you know hoping you know they go and have the same experience I do, uh, but. With um with Habitat Flats being um as big as it is and and you I think y'all do a, a fantastic job on on social media and YouTube and stuff like that of you know the off season prep and and the farm work and the things that go into it uh where, where a lot of people don't you know you, there are people out there that do it but I think y'all do a really good job of showing like a behind the scenes what happens before you know, the first trigger's even pulled. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, don't get me wrong. It's hot, sweaty, buggy, muddy, all that. And I don't want to sound like like crying over spilled milk because it's it's fun as hell. I mean, I love love to do it. And and we're very fortunate to to be able to work on duck stuff all year long. I mean, the, the fun part about managing a property and whether it's yours or whether it's the lease, whether you're helping out on a state area, whatever it is, you're basically taking a 60-day duck season, at least here in the Mississippi Flyway, mm-hmm. and turning it into something that you're thinking about and working on 365 days. Yep. I mean, we're, I don't know about you guys, but I think about ducks every day of the year. Oh, yeah. So sure. 24-7. That makes it, it, makes, it makes duck season just seem that much closer to me. I swear, when I was a kid, I had my bag packed, my shells, my calls, everything in the corner of my room, perfect, by <laughs> April 1st, May 1st, ready to go, and like the summer never ended. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, working on farms and getting out there and planting millet and doing all this stuff, all of a sudden, it's night four opener. I'm looking for my calls. I don't know where my bag's at. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes time fly. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and that's you know I'm, I I'm I'm glad to hear that because you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people out there that uh you know have 
have places to to hunt, you know, and and you as you growing up, I'd like to I'd like to really like to talk about uh how you even got into into hunting in general and obviously the waterfowl side of it too, but um there's places out there or people out there that that uh that don't re- you know that that are trying to get into it and that uh don't really have maybe a mentor or something or somebody that even hunts around them and i feel like us and you know so many other people have have somewhat of a a platform to get them started and then on the other side of like jackson was asking earlier of you know questions and pointers on on making a habitat of their own on their place uh that kind of just full circled back to my to my question earlier of, you know, having a, having a place of your own and creating it, you know, I think y'all do a really good job of guiding people. Uh, if you just watch like the, even just the YouTube stuff that y'all put out, it, it does a really good job of, uh, you know, giving pointers and, you know, showing the, the ups and downs uh, into creating a, a place to hunt for and now you know now for customers to come out and enjoy listen guys i know being a waterfowl hunter with the ammo shortage or maybe they're just flying off the shelves can be kind of difficult and then you know when you do find something it's not what you want i'll give you my two cents on it i think apex ammunition has definitely made a dent into the waterfowl community um, they're coming in a strong way. They have some of the best ammunition on the market. Um, whether you're a turkey hunter, a waterfowl hunter, a deer hunter, uh, maybe a coyote hunter, they've got something over there for you. Uh, on the waterfowl side, they've got the steel for 12 and 20. They've got the TS, uh, TSS S3 steel blend, and then they have the TSS waterfowl, um, and also the mossy oak shadow grass habitat blend uh they've got quite a few different options over there uh the patterning is awesome uh the casings uh, you know everything is just top of the line um being a veteran and american company uh it's awesome to have them a part of this podcast y'all go check out apex ammunition on instagram and apexammunition.com Hey, you might need a new uh, a gun strap for the shotgun uh, that you that you use on a daily basis, or maybe you need a uh, a new lanyard for your duck call. Maybe you need a tote to haul around all them ducks y'all be killing. Cause I see some of y'all. VPC Lanyards has a variety of handmade products. When it comes to that, you can get a uh, tote, a lanyard, gun strap. Maybe a belt, some sunglass strap, Jeep handles, you name it. Our boy Wes over at VPC's got you covered. Multiple different colors, multiple different styles. Uh, If you haven't seen his work, go check out VPC Lanyards on Instagram or Facebook. Check out some of the styles he's got, some of the color options he's got. Best in the business, 110%. Go check out VPC Lanyards on Instagram and Facebook. Tell them the Quack Shack sent you. And it's, you know, it's, it's all of our, 
duties. I mean, yeah. our responsibility to continue this heritage that we love. I mean, there's, you know, we did a, a big youth event here at the lodge for youth season this year. Um, bringing my, my daughter up. I mean, that is so cool to take kids out hunting with you. Uh, oh, yeah. Take somebody who's never been like, I mean, I was very fortunate that my dad, grandfather, uncles duck hunted. I mean, the first time they took me a blind, I was in diapers. That's but awesome. that's not the case for that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. So you know, even like some of my friends, some of my best friends I grew up with in high school, uh, they didn't they didn't waterfowl hunt, but we started going. You know, and uh, that's something that, that they stuck with throughout their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Um, once. Once you take somebody, and it's it's kind of like we said earlier, there's a a pretty big learning curve. Yeah. Um, so it's it's intimidating for somebody to be like, ah, you know, I've never duck hunted. I think I'm gonna go buy half a dozen decoys at Walmart and go sit on a pond somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I would hope they would give it a whirl, but but it's pretty intimidating, really. Oh, for sure. Um, I encourage everybody take take kids, take take your friends that don't hunt. I mean, the things that that we get to see every day as waterfowlers. I mean, birds are no birds. Just watching the watching the world wake up over a duck marsh here in the sights oh, and sounds. I mean, that's pretty pretty blessed. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Let's talk about uh, you know, you kind of mentioned it, but your background uh, in hunting and how how you kind of got started in the whole thing. Yeah, so my family. I grew up in a little little farm town in Illinois, and. Uh, my uncle and dad, I mean, everybody, everybody, all of them, all of them grew up hunting. Um, I was just really lucky that when I was born, they carried me out to blind when I was in diapers and goose hunting. And, uh, that's, that's all I've really ever known. I mean, we didn't have iPads and all that stuff when I was yeah. a kid. So you played football on Friday night, you duck and goose hunted Saturday and Sunday and went to school Monday through Friday. And then, I mean, Thanksgiving morning, every every off morning you had, you weren't hunting. Yeah. And then in the summer, you went fishing. I mean, that's we spent literally our whole lives outdoors yeah. um, when I was a kid. And I hope I wish more kids would have the opportunity to do it now. They're sure. sitting on iPads and doing all that stuff. But but we hunted. Uh, we had a lease that uh, that we goose hunted, and it was easy. Uh, very good hunting when I was a kid. My grandfather had a couple of clubs on the Illinois River, and um, I was very, very fortunate to get to, to get to hunt those um, several times. And it just kind of kind of instilled a fire in me that that, I, that couldn't be put out. I mean, it's all like I said, it's all I really ever knew. On the weekends, you were either fishing or hunting. Play football on Friday night and get up and go hunting the next morning. That's awesome. That's all. And what obviously you said your your first experience was in diapers goose hunting. Um, did you did you grow up deer hunting, turkey hunting, or anything like that? Um, I, well, we you know where I was at in Illinois, we didn't have turkey. Yeah. Um, we did deer hunt and used to shoot a lot of pheasants and quail. Um. We had good good pheasant quail hunting when I was a kid. It's gone. Yeah. Um, but then when I moved to Missouri um, to go to college, I spent every day, every day duck hunting yeah. in the fall. And then 
they had turkey hunting in the spring. So like you, you didn't get started waterfowl hunting until later in life. Mm-hmm. I didn't get started turkey hunting until college. Yeah. And, uh, absolutely ate up with it now. I mean, I've been yeah. lucky enough to go a lot of places and it's a good <laughs> thing they don't gobble in the fall. So I love to shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what, uh, we had, uh, Kyle Jones on from Apex ammunition last night and, uh, he was talking about, he said, he said he, as much as, you know, he's like a world champion goose caller, you know, and he was like, uh, he's like, you know, it's crazy. As much as I love hunting waterfowl, if, if uh, turkeys acted the same way in the fall as they do in the spring, I probably wouldn't chase bird, I probably wouldn't chase the geese and ducks as much. And I was like, man, that's, that's incredible because I don't think anything could get me to stop hunting geese and ducks. No. Yeah, I hear you. No. I mean, that, but if you look at it that way, I mean, how, how lucky are we? Man. Not just as waterfowl hunters, but but all hunters. I mean, especially waterfowl hunters. You can yeah. start what in in August up in the Dakotas, yep. And you can wrap it up in May. Hey. I mean, up in up in Canada. Yeah. I mean, you can turkey hunt in the spring. You can deer hunt. I mean, there's there's lots and lots of opportunities to get outside and hunt right now. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And you know that's kind of one thing that we've kind of tried to focus on and bring, you know, people into the outdoors, even, you know, it even started before the podcast, you know, I, I started taking people duck hunting, you know, probably six, six years ago when I thought, when I thought, you know, I knew enough to actually bring somebody out there, you know, and, and had let them have an, a hunt to where they were like, man, this is, this was good. Instead of, you know, throwing out decoys and not knowing what we're doing i started you know that's when i started bringing people i remember i took uh i took my dad my uh one of my younger cousins and then a family friend uh his his little boy wanted to duck hunt and they didn't duck hunt and uh i took him on his first duck hunt with me to arkansas uh, along with my dad and my cousin like i said and uh that was all three of their first duck hunts and it was probably in my top four best hunts ever. Like, and I was so thankful you, you know, we drove, I don't know, six hours, seven hours up to where we were at and had, had a great hunt. And that the guy that, or the, the young man I took, um, he's probably 21 now or 20 now. And, uh, he's ate up with it, you know? And I, I try That's to, I try cool. to take someone every year, someone new every year, um, and Jackson does the same um, to, you know, just get them out, introduce them to it. I, I mean, the least the least that's going to happen is they don't like it. But nine times out of ten, they're they're gonna. I mean, the first time they pull that trigger and a bird, oh, dude, falls, I don't. They're like, man, this is it. I'm 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 in. Dude, I don't think I've ever taken anybody duck hunting that hasn't been like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Yeah, and I love taking new people because that beginner's luck is a hundred percent a true thing, man. Uh, every time I take somebody that's never been before, we always have a good hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what's cool about it is, is duck hunting is totally, perfectly set up for that. Yeah. I mean, deer hunting, you're, you're climbing a tree and a stand, or even if you're in a big box line, you know, with one other person, I mean, you're still quiet. Yeah. And, you know, always pay attention. I mean, duck hunting, you're cutting up, you're drinking coffee, you're cooking food. I mean, yeah. you got dogs yeah. running around. I mean, it's, it's a tough, it can be as social as you want it, or it can be, you know, you can go out by yourself and still have just as much fun. But it's yeah, really 100%. set up to introduce new people to you. No doubt. And that's oh, one for of my sure. and favorite parts of it, you know, when I remember my first time, uh, I live like 10 minutes from where I, I 
first started duck hunting i got introduced out there and we get out there you know i deer hunted and hog hunted up until that point and uh you know i was prepared to be quiet and hang out and you know relax and and uh watch some birds maybe and we get out there and they're being loud and talking you know cutting up throwing decoys out and we're we get you know in our hide and everybody's just still talking and you know cracking up and having a good time and <laughs> i'm like hey guys you know the sun's about to come up <laughs> and i remember yeah. my buddy his name's michael murray he, he's the one that invited me he was like man you you it's not like deer hunting dude you ain't got to be quiet and i was like oh shoot i'm in <laughs> and then yeah, and then that perfect. first hunt when i mean we absolutely waxed them and i was i was like man man i've been deer hunting this no don't get me wrong i love to deer hunt and uh uh i don't do it much i haven't done it much in the past shoot seven or eight years but uh just because i've been so so involved in into duck hunting but i was just totally amazed and i love seeing people's faces when you get out there and you know you're still talking right and having a good time and birds come in and everybody kind of at the same time just stops talking and and they're like looking up like what's going on pretty neat kind of on the on the flip side like you said you, you took your dad well like i said like we didn't have turkeys when i was a kid in illinois and uh came down to missouri and i got ate up with turkey hunting oh, yeah. and uh so of course i had my dad and my uncles and my buddies from back home they'd all come out i mean it was a blast but like the first time taking my dad and uncles you know i'm like all right you know sit against the tree and i'd kind of sit next to them and you know, they'd be swatting mosquitoes and then turkey mm-hmm. gobble, you know, just down the, just down the ridge in the tree. But hey, hey, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I heard him. He just heard you, you know? Yeah. Like, this, this is a little different. We got to be quiet and still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. That's awesome. Uh, just think all the things that, you know, that we take, kind of take for granted. I guess I don't take for granted. That's probably not the right thing to say, but all the things you remember about when you first, your first duck hunt or your first, your first experience with it. Like I'll never forget, you know, we used to have these old uninsulated waders, mm-hmm. hand-me-downs, two sizes too big. We didn't, I mean, there wasn't good gear back then. Yeah, and you man. would absolutely freeze to death and never say a word because you just, I never wanted my, my dad and uncle to say, eh, you're not going tomorrow. Can you're not going anymore because you complained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, what's really cool is I'll never ever forget it. The first time I put waders on and was like big enough to go out in the, in the water. They're like, yeah, you're going to come out here and help me. I was like, yeah, go tromp it out in the water. And I felt the pressure stuck to, you know, push the waders up to my legs. And I was yeah. like, Oh my God! What what's going on? Something's wrong. And I they kind of tell, and my grandpa's like, "All right, take a few more steps." He's like, "You'll feel it. You kind of feel the pressure." And it was like the coolest feeling ever. Yeah. yeah. So when I got my daughter, getting my daughter involved in it, um, the first time she stepped out in the water in her waders, she's like, "Daddy, what's wrong with my leg?" I'm like, "Honey, it's just it's pressure. She's gonna suck it." But you know, stuff like that is it's so cool that you never forget about. You know, yeah. your first time going duck hunt. Yeah, no doubt. Talking about, you know, the equipment we have. Like I said, I I was looking through my photos the other day trying to figure out how long 
I've been duck hunting and I figured it out. It was I've been duck hunting for twelve years and just my short time of being, you know, a duck hunter, the equipment has come a long way in just, you know, that short amount of time. I can only imagine you know, the the feeling you have because some of the stuff we have nowadays is absolutely crazy. And uh yeah. it's it's nuts. But talk about a little bit about um you know, back back in the day when you were going out with your grandpa and and the st- you know the equipment that y'all y'all had to use, and versus now and the you know the technology that goes into even a pair of waders, it's it's crazy. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, back then it was was uninsulated waders, and as far as clothing, at least, I mean, maybe there was some some good stuff out there. I mean, we didn't have the money for it. Yeah, I mean, you got a you got a flannel shirt from farm and fleet and those little the white the white pairs of long underwear the real thin ones you oh, know yeah. the old long john oh, long john i mean you might have had a had a pair of wool socks or you know thin thin socks that you wore two pairs of or wherever you could fit on and it was just cold but it, i mean i guess you know made you made you tougher but yeah i mean to be able to you know the the good thing with with all the technological advances in the clothing side of our, you know, the hunting industry is it allows you to spend more time. I mean, it really makes you more successful. It allows you to be out there comfortably longer. I mean, there's yeah. really not too many days where you look outside and be like, Oh man, I can't handle that. I mean, even yeah. if whatever below zero, I mean, you, you can bundle up and be, be just fine with today's gear. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, talking about looking outside and not being able to want to go you know i when i started they had these quote unquote waterproof jackets right that you know you walk outside and it's raining and five minutes later you're soaking ass wet and you're like man i don't paid you know probably 150 dollars for this waterproof jacket and it's not working nowadays man uh you know you you see some rain in the forecast, and I'm like, I'm still going. You know, my I know this stuff is going to keep me dry. It's crazy, it's crazy the technology, and to think that technology goes in into clothing is a crazy thought in itself. But it, it it's absolutely wild the stuff that we have, and like you said, makes you a successful hunter. It really does, and uh, it's it's just crazy to even think about that kind of stuff. It is. I mean. We're outside no matter what. I mean, yeah. all year. I mean, hunting and, and trapping. My uncle's ran a big trap line, and I used to run trap line with him all the time. And my dad was always the king of, you know, finding a good deal, I guess. Frugal <laughs> would be what you call it. I mean, thank God he taught me a lot of great life lessons. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, hey, oh, man, check these out. I got a deal on that farm fleet. Got them for 14 <laughs> bucks. A pair of, pair of hunting boots, Mike. Oh man, yeah, you know, that's a good find. They need to freeze your ass off. Man. Oh yeah. And now, you know, now now that some times have changed, like my dad even still to this day, I mean, he, he fishes about every day of the year or he's up here hunting. But he's out there in the in the cold and, and he's always been been way more cold blooded than I am. Yeah. I mean if it's fifty fifty degrees he'll have his park on. But <laughs> now with today's equipment, you know, I've been able to get him some good stuff and he's like, Man, I don't know how I ever did this thirty, forty years ago every yeah. day with, with the stuff we used to wear. That's funny. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I was just about to ask, you know, 
if you've what he thinks about the stuff that we've got today, you know, and with uh you know with the prices and stuff, everything's expensive, but you know it kind of pays. You know, it pays itself off a hundred percent and tenfold. It does, know? and it lasts longer. Yeah. It lasts longer than the stuff that we used to have, and it works better. It's just crazy. I was talking to a buddy the other day, and I kind I feel like I've talked about this a lot lately. Now that you know these breathable insulated waders we've got nowadays, and how you know I I remember like a year or two ago we were hunting out of state somewhere and. uh I don't know. Maybe I just had a extra spoon of sugar in my coffee or whatever. I don't know what it was, but I was ready to roll that morning. And, uh, it was one of them spots you had to run to. And, um, and I was like, man, I feel like I could, no, 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 no. We were actually, you know where we were, we were up North hunting me and Jackson and somebody. And we were out, I, we were talking about our waders and, uh, we were hunting some hard ground underwater on a river and, I was like, man, I feel like I could run, I could run across this sucker and back and, and not be winded talking about how hard the ground was and how, you know, the waders we have nowadays are just crazy and lightweight and, uh, flexible and whatnot. And we were talking about, I can't even believe we ever even hunted in, you know, neoprene waders. I always remember trying to put them suckers on and like, man, the th- the fact the fact that we have these now you're like I don't even know how we even use them things. It's crazy, you know. Back back then, like when I was growing up, I mean, we were outside. I mean, from daylight to dark. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there wasn't you didn't have an iPad to go to go snuggle up with after you got done hunting or sit on the couch or whatnot. And part of that is because. Back in that day and age, I mean, everybody worked, yeah. you know? Like, my dad worked Monday to Friday. If you got two days off, you're going to fish from daylight to dark, or when you went hunting, <laughs> then you went hunting for the day. I mean, you might go duck and do something in the morning, and if it's slow, you're going to hunt till dark. If you happen to get in the morning, well, then we're going to go pheasant and quail hunting in the afternoon, or we're going to go run a trap line in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, you were out there all day with, with stuff that, I mean, the coldest temperatures and stuff you shouldn't be wearing in late summer these days. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So back to Habitat Flats a little bit um, before we get this thing wrapped up. Um, let's talk about, you. I don't know if you have a number or not, but you've been, you've been doing uh, this guided thing for a long time and been very successful at it and built a great business. How many people do you think in all of the years you've been doing this that you've taken taken duck to you know duck hunting? Holy cow. That's that's crazy to think about, huh? <laughs> Man, it'd probably have to be I don't know, twenty five, thirty thousand people. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I mean it's it's a it's a heck of a lot between Yeah snow goose hunting and teal season and then ducks and then Kansas specs and then mm. you know Saskatchewan and yeah 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 it's a it's a pile and all the it's, 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 it's bigger it's about five or six times bigger than the city you live in also yeah oh yeah no doubt <laughs> met, some, met some pretty incredible people and yeah yeah, yeah I, I bet was so, about man. to say you probably met some 
some great people and some, you know, some great friends and also witnessed some, you know, a lot of first timers out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots and lots and lots of first timers. That's so what's the, well, I guess from all those people, what's some of the coolest, the coolest stories you have from, from meeting all those people? Oh man. Jeez, there's so many. We're asking some, we're asking some hard questions here, Tony. That's yeah, good. I know. That means we're doing a good interview here. <laughs> good, good hunting stories, or just good, just good hunting story, good stories. Period, man. Yeah. We talk about everything on here. <laughs> All right, this is a pretty funny one. So, this uh, we're supposed to take this outdoor ride, outdoor rider, and uh, okay. Um, this one, this is like right before Habitat Flats when I had uh, had my little snow goose thing. I had a little camp we called the Miles House, and uh, he's supposed to fly in. And I won't say his name; he'll, he'll probably laugh if he's still alive. Uh, <laughs> so it, I said, uh, you know, meet me. You know, this is back before. Well, I think we had cell phones, but none of them ever worked. There weren't any cell phones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, the bag, the bag phone. Yeah, so you know, you had uh, the directions. I would say, I'd say, all right, you know, you're going to come to this town, come out of town, seven and a half miles exactly. You know, white two store farmhouse, green roof, right on the side of the highway with the red fence. Got post. A big, <laughs> yeah, got a got a big barn out back. Yep, no problem. I said, you know, you got to make sure you, you know if you land at ten o'clock, you'll be there by. 1230. I said, we need to leave at one for an afternoon. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, let's be there. And I mean, one o'clock comes and I'm, I'm ready to roll, you know. I need to get going. And nothing. And one thirty, nothing. Two o'clock, nothing. Two thirty, nothing. Trying to get cell service. Can't get anything. Can't get a phone call in. Phone call out, nothing. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, what in the world's going on? Finally, like three o'clock or something, pulls in the driveway. I'm like, yeah, so where have you been? And he said, "Well, you're not going to believe this." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." I said, "What's up?" He said, "Well, I've kind of forgot to look at my odometer, but I can tell you that your neighbor, a half mile up the road, also has a white two-story farmhouse with a green roof." I'm like, "Oh boy." I said, "So what'd you do?" And he said, "Well, I went up there and knocked on the door and..." Nobody was there, so I figured you ran to the store or something. So I went in and moved my stuff into the living room, put my gun together on the on the coffee table, and I had to go to the bathroom. He said, so I went into the, the bathroom, and I was reading a magazine, and it hit me. I'm like, uh, yeah. He said it was Better Homes and Gardens, and he said it hit me. I'm in the wrong house. He said, so. Long story short, he says, you need to call your neighbors and tell them, sorry, I didn't flush. I got out of there as fast as I could because so I was scared of getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> Probably with his own oh, shotgun laying on the man. table. That's hilarious. Yeah, believe that. That's hilarious, dude. Oh. See, and like, we don't, we take, we take, uh, we don't think of the advantage that, that the maps, uh, like the, the maps on our phone have oh, given man. us. Compared so to, like, I, I, I've never driven and not had maps, you know, yeah. so it's like, yeah. You know, but I still remember as a kid as my parents, you know, breaking out the, you know, going to online and trying to, trying to print uh, out directions. Yeah, print out a map quest or something like that and be like, you know, but, you know, we've had maps on our phone. 
Yeah. You're just sending people pins now, and you can meet them out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But like hunting, hunting stories, man. There's been so many. I mean, there's been been such such good ones. One of the so like where I grew up in Illinois, my grandfather's clubs on the Illinois River. Black ducks were were pretty common. I mean, we'd shoot them yeah. a lot of days. But when I went west of Mississippi to Missouri. I went 13 years without seeing a black duck killed. Hmm. And I was like, holy cow. I mean, you very hardly ever even saw one. Yeah. And 13 years without killing one. And we found uh, found these ducks. And I'm telling you, there were tens, tens of thousands. <laughs> and like a foot of snow on the ground, cold as can be. They were going into this little creek, maybe 15 yards wide, 15 feet. 15, 20 feet wide with like 50, 60, 80 foot tall cottonwoods on both sides. Yeah. Just like Arkansas Pic- green timber. Mm. Just kind of vertical. Picturesque mm. thing you can think of. Mm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely unbelievable. And uh, there was five of us and uh, we went in there and we killed killed our greenheads, you know, about as fast as you load a gun. We're like, this is way too cool. Got to yeah. sit here and watch this. Sitting watching just hundreds and hundreds filling it up. I mean, just watching pairs of feet just coming down right in front of you. It was beautiful. And pretty soon, one of our buddies like, boom, black duck. Like, holy crap. The first black duck I've seen in Missouri in 13 years. And never, never forget it. And we sat there a few minutes later, and pretty soon one of the other guys, boom, black duck. Long story short, we looked at enough ducks that day. All five of us shot our black duck and hadn't seen one killed Missouri in 13 years, killed five that day. Wow. And uh, we got them mounted on our on an elk shed in the lodge. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's definitely, definitely top five months I've ever seen. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I, dude, you've got some cool stories, and I can only imagine – uh, the stories that your clients get to hear when when they come down, and the stories you get to hear too. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. It's, I'm sure it's a great time. You know, sitting around sh- swapping stories with each other. Um, and you know, we we really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Uh, I uh, I kind of mentioned to you, <clears throat> I guess, the other day when we were talking. But I was in Max Perry Wings, I don't even know, a couple years ago, and four or five probably. And uh, and that was one of my – I'd probably been hunting up there two years at that time. And uh, that, you know, I was starting to get out and I'm starting to get my feet on the ground on this traveling thing and all my buddies that got me into it, you know, I couldn't get them out there. And I remember seeing you at Max one time. And, uh, you were just so nice and, you know, had, we had a little conversation and, uh, I'm, I'm, th- I'm, I'm grateful that you took the time out to come on, on the podcast and, and chat with us. Oh man, I'm, I'm happy. I'm no different than anybody else. Like yeah. I said, we're all, we're all ducking. And the fact that, the fact of the matter is we picked up the phone, what, an hour ago and it felt like we just, just picked it up I mean, we could talk yeah. ducks forever. Yeah. Oh man, dude, we could, we, we can talk forever. I guess a couple more things I had questions of is. How did you get? How did you get in with uh, with Cabela's and and uh, Bass Pro? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, it was so back in the day. Worked a lot with with Avery and uh, mm-hmm. and Avery Pro Staff helped test all their full body snow goose decoys. 
and um, took a ton of riders um, with Avery and then, you know, did a lot of different TV shows. I mean, some of the Cabela's ones and, you know, we did some DVDs with, with Freddie and yeah. uh, back when when it was the, the Z unit and all that. Um, it's just been kind of kind of just through years of being in the industry. Um, yeah. Got to know some of the right people and, you know, wanting to test some different things, some different ideas, uh, put some gear through its paces and just been really fortunate to, because actually what, what, what's kind of wild is it seems like a big industry, you know, yeah. like from the outside looking in, it's like, whoa, man. Yeah. I mean, you got companies the size of Cabela's and Bass Pro and, Nelly and Winchester. I mean, all these companies you grew up like, you know, seeing Remington and all this. You know, this is a huge industry. Mm. Well, man, once once you get into it, it's pretty small. No doubt. Oh, dude, yeah, just the, really the connections that, Yeah, we've the, noticed yeah, that. I mean, yeah, the connections that we've made from the podcast the last few years. It seems like everybody knows everybody. You know, it's like. And it, just like we were talking last night, you go to a convention. I don't know how often if you go to like any of the the big waterfowl conventions, but you know you go to a waterfowl convention, convention. You start looking around, and you're like, oh, I know them, I know them. And you go talk, and you'll just, you know, the whole day you're just sitting around talking to people you feel like you've known forever because you've talked to them, you know, on social media, you talked to them on the phone, or, or in our case, you talked to them on the podcast. And, yeah. and we've met some of the coolest people I know uh, just just For just sure. through simply talking through this outdoor industry. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you see all the, the back and forth online and all that stuff, and and most of it is just ridiculous because if people ever met each other and realized they're cut from the same cloth, it's exactly. a non-issue. I mean, it doesn't matter what you wear, what decoys you have, what calls you have, whatever. I mean, it's a it's a pretty small industry, I and mean, I've had some unbelievable memories hunting with with Freddie and. Jim Ronquist and hell, my partner I or he was with Momarsh. You know, he had Momarsh and I was, you know, it's not part of Higdon, but mm-hmm. just we've all hunted together with with so many people in the industry. I mean, there's no nobody ever looks at it like, oh wow, you're doing this and you're hunting so and so. I mean, it's not like that. I mean, it's, it's not like a bunch of high school cheerleaders that are hard <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you know, they're, they're there is some circles and some areas where, where there's so much bickering between us and the outdoor industry. And that's, that was, that was one of the things that when we set out to do this podcast, we wanted to, because I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, uh, I guess, bad mouthing and the bickering and all that kind of stuff. I think that comes from people that, um, you know, never really had anybody show them, you know, show them how to act, how, how to act and how the, you know, the etiquette for out, you know, for hunting, you know, they kind of just got into it when the social media started coming out. And, um, so we, wanted to have people on here like yourself that, you know, have had, you know, 20, 30, 40 years plus experience in the outdoor industry and, and, you know, trying to teach people that listen, you know, on how to act and how to, you know, how to get birds and how to be a better hunter. Yeah. And uh, that, that was one of our main goals of starting this podcast was because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And man, you might, you might be a, a good hunter. You might be a, a great hunter, but I can promise you every day you go out there, you, you stand to learn something. Whether it's oh. from the bird or somebody yeah. you're hunting with, I mean, you can yeah. always pick up something. No doubt, no doubt, and that's that's, and that's one what's thing. really cool with getting getting hunt with other people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super cool because you get a different, I mean, you, fresh perspective on it. 
Yeah, you no got to pick twenty-five or thirty thousand people's brains on duck hunting. I'm sure your brain's just full of duck information. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's man, it's cool because I mean, a lot of our clients. I mean, sure, we we run, we get a a small percentage of of corporate business. I mean, whatever, mm-hmm. a decent percentage of corporate, yeah. business, but most of it, most of it is just groups of guys that want to start their season out early, or they want to yeah. extend their season after their season closes. These guys got got their own farms or they have yeah. public in a different part of the country. And it's, it's yeah. wild to, to hear what they like. You know, they, they want rain and wind or snow and nasty low clouds. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. Better. And where we're at, I want sunshine and blue skies for 60 straight days. You know, they yeah. might set decoys a little different, but there's, there's always something you can learn. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, dude, traveling you know, traveling to different states and, and hunting different areas has been one of my favorite things because I feel like I've learned so much, so much information. Just because most of the time when we go to a different state, uh, I would say we're pretty friendly people, so we end mm-hmm. up, you know, striking conversation and hunting with locals. And you know, the way they hunt ducks is completely different than the way that we hunt ducks. Exactly. You know, and so it's like, you know, you're really getting to, you're really getting to see, um, you know, getting to see different ways, different ways to, you know, skin the buck right there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And like for for people like that don't have any idea how to get started. I mean, it, it, it's going to be a little bit intimidating, but yeah. you know, say you're 15, 18, 20, 25, 30 years old, I mean, show up at a, show up at a local DU meeting. And, and basically, I mean, don't, don't worry about people thinking you're stupid because you've never done it before. Just be open and honest. Be like, yeah. I really don't know what I'm doing. I would love to just tag along and watch how it's done. Yeah, because no that's how you learn. And at the end you of the day, from. we've we've all been there. We've all start, oh, we've sure. all been on our first duck hunt, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's crazy, man. That's awesome. I mean, I still, I mean, I, I still have to this day. I still have duck hunts where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I guess. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no I've been doubt. I've been a part of duck hunting since I was in a. My dad was my dad was taking me duck hunting when I was in a baby carrier. And I, you know, every day I still, every day I watch people, other people hunt. I'm like, yeah, dude, that's, I guess I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. Like when I was a kid, I used to blow a duck call or a goose call, like nonstop, like around the house, oh, in the car, in the shower and all that. And then just drive people nuts. But yeah. I never get to call on the blind. Yeah. I never get to call on the blind. And then I'll never forget the first day when, you know, my grandpa and dad and uncle leaned down. They're like, are you going to? You gonna help here or what? And I was like, "Holy crap!" Uh, now I'm gonna do. Oh my god! Yeah, it sounded it sounded pretty awful. And there's a couple <laughs> times this fall, a couple times this fall, I've been doing it for I mean, forty years or more than that. And I was sitting by my tree calling and ducks were not even looking at it. And I was looking at my call, thinking like, "I wonder what Grandpa'd say now." He's probably like, "You need to stick that thing in your pocket." <laughs> yeah. That's good. That, that is so good to know because I've been there too, man. I've been there too, and you've been doing it way longer than I have. And you know those times that you you work those massive groups in, you're like, dang it, boy, we did it good this time. And then there's times like you just mentioned, like these ducks don't want nothing to do with this call. I'm just, I don't even need it. I'm gonna put it back up. <laughs> yeah, you think it sounds so good and sounds perfect. And yeah, what's neat for me is one of my favorite things to do is go sit by one of our you know fields that's got a bunch of ducks in it and just listen yes I mean, no, 100%. Yes. man there are some sexy sounding 
speakeasies out there, Man. and there are some ones that sound like, I mean, just absolutely <laughs> awful. And yeah. you're like, what is that? <laughs> what kind of duck but, is that? <laughs> oh, that's what, I, that's what I always tell people that just start. I'm like, dude, go find you an area that whether it's a roost or whatever, go, go find you an area where ducks are hanging out and just listen to what they naturally sound like, and you will 100% become a better caller instantly. No doubt. Absolutely. No because doubt. competition calling is not the same calling as what you're like. What the videos that people post on, you know, social media is, is competition callers. So that's what all these people are just getting into it. They're out there, you know, hail calling all the time. Like, no, listen, you need to go sit and watch some ducks just hang out. Yeah. And that's when you really learn what you need to do when you're in the blind. No doubt. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of calling is knowing what to say when and knowing when not to say a damn thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 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 The uh, the the. So, uh, the people buying my shop today uh, were up there and they were asking, you know, I, I'm going I'm going to take them on a hunt next season because uh, they've never been. And they're like, man, I, how do you even blow a duck call? How do you even get started? And what the, I tell the same story every time I had a lot of miles on my first pickup before I even had an inkling of knowing how to blow a duck call. <laughs> i didn't listen to all throughout high school man i didn't listen i did not listen to the radio nothing i had that duck call and i was trying to figure it out on the way to school on the way to work on the way to your girlfriend's house on the way to eat that's what austin was doing was trying to learn how to blow that daggum duck call (laughs) so you look at that you know we talked about you know how clothing has made made the sport better Mm -hmm. i mean same thing with me and a duck call i mean i didn't I mean, you basically just blew it and blew it and blew it and blew it and blew it, blew it until it started sounding right and just kind of trying to figure it out. Yeah. But now you look at, I mean, YouTube and all the stuff oh, you yeah. can find online. I mean, you can pick up a duck call and sit in front of a computer yep. and have professional, professional lessons at your fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt in that, you know, we have a, uh, one of our sponsors is Slayer Calls. They're out of Idaho and, they uh they just released an app uh that you can get and you know step by step teach you how to use a duck call which is great you know we didn't have That's that awesome. you know we had we had YouTube right that you could look up on and it was early stages of YouTube and uh learn how to blow a duck call and and they released a an app which is great and I've I we try to push it as much as we can just because of based on the people that, you know, message us on Instagram and like, man, I'm just now getting into it. What do I need to get, you know, and, or how do I do this or how do I do that? And that's a, that's one good thing that, uh, you know, that technology has brought us is, is how to do, how to, how to videos, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can, you can learn a lot right now. I mean, that's the learning curve is still huge, mm-hmm. but you can, you can at least, you know, get started on it. I mean, back back when I was a kid, like, you know, you didn't have that stuff. You learned oh. from the people that took you hunting. You listened to them blow a duck call. You watched how they set decoys, and that was it. You didn't go yeah. home. We didn't have any DVDs or anything like that to watch. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of a lot of resources out there right now. Man, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, man, I uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out to come on this podcast, man. Uh, it's I've enjoyed talking to you. I know Jackson has and, and sharing some of, some of the stories and some of the wisdom that you have, uh, whether it's, you know, habitat management or, um, you know, how to blow a duck call. Like we just talked about, man, it's, it's been great talking to you 
And yeah, I can't thank you enough for coming on this podcast and, and yeah, hopefully you can do it again. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to anytime you guys want to, I love talking ducks. Yeah, man. No yeah, doubt. Next time, maybe we'll set one up for after snowboard season so we can talk about, talk about the white, the white devil. Yeah. Oh boy. That's yeah. a love hate. That's a love hate <laughs> relationship, man. <laughs> yes, it is. No doubt. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely talk to you in the future, man. And, uh, Thank you again. Yep, sounds great, guys. Thank you. Have a good night. You too, yes, sir. You too. Man, if you didn't learn something from that podcast, you weren't listening. Go back and listen to it. Um, we, uh, you know, me and Jackson have a, have kind of a list of of guests that we we would like to have on. And personally, for me and Jackson, you know, Jackson obviously wanted him on too. But personally, for me, that was one of that was in my top three of guests to have on, and we, uh, you know, we we it didn't take much, but uh, we we've been trying to get him on, and uh, it was awesome. Tony was one of the uh, first people that I followed in the waterfowl industry. You know, when when I was introduced twelve years ago, um, the, like I said earlier, the first time I pulled that trigger, I was just I was in. You know, I didn't deer hunt. I didn't hog hunt like I did growing up after that. I was dedicated to waterfowl, and any time I got to to go hunt waterfowl, I was doing it. And uh, about that time, Instagram was kind of popping off, and I hopped on Instagram, and, um, and uh, that was it. Tony was one of the first people that I, uh, I watched on, like, YouTube, and I was – uh, I was, I was in, I was in there. Uh, so that was personally one of my top three guests to get on. Uh, there's a couple other that I'd like to get on and we're working on it. And, um, I hope y'all enjoyed that. He is, if you don't know who Tony Vandemore and Habitat Flats are, y'all definitely go check them out. Follow them on, uh, on Instagram, on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Habitat Flats and Tony Vandemore. Um, if 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 you're looking to to book a hunt, Habitat Flats they do a great job. And uh, and also you know if you're trying to create habitat and you know f- for waterfowl, they have some really good videos on YouTube. You might learn a little bit about that uh, watching those videos. So go do that. Um, this has been a good one. I'm glad we glad we got him on, and I hope y'all I hope y'all enjoyed this one. Um, it was you know we have a lot of fun on this podcast and talk about great products and talk to great people and talk about you know their past, um, and and we try to do you know we try to do our job as a podcast to bring you knowledge, um, and I feel like this was definitely one of those podcasts you can learn from. Um, and, you know, we also want to have a great time, right, and enjoy and talk about some cool stories and some bad stories that we can all relate from. But this is one of those that, you know, you can kind of do all of them all together and uh, and uh, learn learn something. We all want to learn something. That's, uh, you, that's something you've heard us personally talk about on the podcast is uh, even if we go out there and, you know, we shoot one bird or no birds, um, we, we want to learn. We want to leave learning something you know maybe we changed the decoys up and that got the birds in or maybe we 
called more or called less and that got the birds in or maybe we threw face paint on or got in the trees or whatever the case is you always want to learn something and that's one of my favorite parts of waterfowl hunting is learning something i learn something every single time you know we've been blessed to uh to be able to hunt at home this year uh jackson and myself and our crew and the guys we run with and hunt all over the country with um have been blessed to to stay home this year because of the migration and and the weather that we've had this year uh it's been great and you know it's something we haven't got to really do in several years uh and on the flip side you know that we're we're super grateful for that but on the flip side you know traveling to arkansas or wherever the case you know we've we've hunted a bunch of different states and been very fortunate to hunt uh, several different states um but learning learning even learning new stuff and and we'll just use arkansas as a reference because everybody knows about it um even learning new stuff you know the way you have to hunt there versus here or the way you have to work birds in north dakota versus here you know it it's totally different, and sometimes you have to use uh, the things you already know in a different state. So, you know, you just have to really, really figure it out, and um, we're super blessed to be able to to have been able to, to hunt at home this year and not have to travel, which it's not a burden to travel, but it's been great, and uh, we can't thank y'all enough for listening to another episode of the podcast. Listen, guys, I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it again. We're buying two peoples, two different people. We're buying your waterfowl stamp and your waterfowl hunting permit. That's right. Two of you. You and somebody else can enter to win a, a paid-for hunting license and waterfowl stamp. All you have to do is go to takeemfowl.com. The link's in the description. The link's in the take em bio. The link's in the quack shack bio. It's not hard to find. Take them foul co or take them foul.com. Go on there, buy you a new hat. We're, you know, we don't have a whole lot of stuff out there, but we're working on it. We're just trying to really bring some high quality stuff and we're going to start doing drops. So, uh, all you have to do is go buy, you know, sticker, a hat, some coffee, whatever it is. That's going to get you entered to win a free hunting license and waterfowl stamp in the state that you live in or maybe it maybe you live in freaking i don't know virginia and you you hunt in maryland whatever state it is we'll buy you that permit and that hunting license in that state for two different people takeafowl.com go get you something nice enter to win something you know enter to win a a, a hunting license we can't thank y'all enough for listening to another episode of the podcast if this is your first time listening to this podcast we've got four seasons so one two and three there's some awesome guests some funny stuff some good stuff you know something you're gonna learn from something you're you know there's a couple out there that you know we we probably shouldn't have aired that podcast but it's out there so go listen to it we can't thank you enough for listening to this podcast take it easy peace Everybody needs a pair of waders when you're waterfowl hunting.
Sometimes you need hip boots. Sometimes you just need some mud boots. But majority of the time, you need a pair of waders. When you're choosing your waders, you want something that performs well, something that's going to last, and you, for some of us, something that looks good. Gator Waiter checks all those boxes when it comes to waders. Uh, they've got a variety of camouflage patterns, some solid patterns, and also the exclusive Gator Waiter patterns, the 7 and the 7 Brown. Uh, very good-looking waders. I've used them for years. They last they look great, like I said, and they perform well. Um, while you're over there, check out their jackets they've got. I prefer the bog jacket. It's absolutely amazing. Keep you warm. It's got a variety of different pro- uh, pockets that you can uh, use and access at any time. Go check them out at GatorWaiters underscore outdoors on Instagram and GatorWaiters.com. Use code QUACKSHACK10 at checkout. Something that is a a key component to waterfowl hunting is a duck call. You know, sometimes they'll just fall in the hole if they really want there. Sometimes you got to get them in there. And to get them in there, you need a duck call. We choose Slayer Calls for multiple reasons. Slayer Calls has some of the nicest sounding calls on the market. They look great. They sound great. They work great. Um... We've uh, we've used them for several years now, and they keep coming out with some of the craziest ideas that work so well, um, like the whistle that they uh, they just dropped. It is ten times louder than the whistle you have on your lanyard. I can almost guarantee it. Um, it just it's it, it works great, sounds great. Uh, they have a cut down call. They've got a couple different variety of colors over there as well. Also, if you're a turkey hunter. They've got some diaphragm calls, and also if you're an elk hunter, they've got you covered over there with one of the most remarkable elk calls, elk bugles on the market. Check them out at Slayer Calls on Instagram, slayercalls.com. Use code QUACKSHACK25 at checkout. Raising the south, I come up from nothing, I figured it out. They say when I sing, I'm the voice of the south. Get thanks to the Lord, cause I'm making it out. I can't believe I'm living my dream. Early morning flights, the skies are filled up with these whistling wings. Sights that dreams are made of. Look at God's creation. Thus coming in as we struggle to load. Kid number two is a hell of a load. Shots going off as they dropping off. It's so cold and my call keeps sticking. I'm being precise with the notes I'm picking. My lead is true, so no duck I'm missing. Full choke, so I'm good at a distance. I should have retake, I should have, I should have retake, I should have retake, I should have, I should have retake.